Well, hey, I'm glad you're here today. My name is Mark, and if we haven't met yet, I'm glad you're here. This is Ocean's Church. We're not pulling any punches today. Uh, my wife shared her message, her battle-ready message, and I just got fired. It was like watching Rocky. I was just like, man, I got to go. I got to find a, a punching bag. And I was just getting fired up, started jump roping on my balcony, and um, it's not true. Uh, but I am fired up for today. We uh, started a series. How many were here last Sunday? Last Sunday, give me a show of hands. Two weeks ago, we started a series called Breaking Babylon. And if you're brand new today, I want to just apologize in advance. This is not a shallow end, 101 Christianity message. I've been building things, Mom. Uh, my mom's here. <laughs> but this is a little bit of a deeper message that uh, we've actually been building on the last several weeks. The idea is, is we are no longer living in kind of a God-fearing, God-honoring environment in America, especially in California. As far as we can tell, it's almost like we're in this post-modern environment that everybody's trying to push God out. We're calling bad things good. We're calling wrong things right. We're trying to push agendas that are anti-God. And it's almost like a reverse exorcism going on right now. We're trying to kick God out in the name of human, uh, humanism. And I want to tell you that God is interested in coming back in. God shows up where he's wanted, though. Can I get an amen? And I do believe that you can live in Babylon and not be of Babylon. I repeat, for those that are living in California, you can be in California, but not of California. And I, I really do feel strong. This is a message that's been burning in my heart. If I have a little bit more uh, fire in me than normal, I'm about two and a half coffees in. I'm not driving today, okay, so be, it's okay. But I am intending to go all the way in today. And this is, again, this is, a, this is a battleship message. So I just want to warn you ahead of time. This is not like, oh, you're like, oh gosh, I invited my, my, my cousin for the first time. I'm sorry, okay? But we're going to go after Jesus today. And I'm just telling you right now, this might be a little deeper than you're used to. I'll teach you how to tread water as we go. Maybe you don't get the butterfly today, but we'll teach you how to doggy paddle at least. Are you all ready to go? So today, I want to jump right in. We're in, we're in Breaking Babylon. I want to talk a little bit today on the subject matter of are you ready to rumble? Let's get, there it is. Let's get ready to rumble. We know Michael Buffer, the great announcer of most boxing fights that you and I have watched growing up, coined a phrase in 1984 that's made him a cool $400 million. Let's get ready to rumble. And I really had this burden as I've been praying for our church. I have been praying for the people of God. And I really do believe this is a message not just for the, the people that are here today in our Ocean's Church. I believe this is a message for the church Especially the church that are in states that are hostile. We are not in the we're not in Texas or Alabama. We're not in some you know Christ friendly environment that everybody in our neighborhood is going to church on Sundays. We are in an atmosphere that most people are trying to go. What are you doing going to church on Sundays? Why are you wasting your time putting your kids in Bible college? Why do you do what you do for God? And I want to tell you that, listen, this is a moment in history that we can't just be prepared for peace. We actually have to be prepared for war. And hear me today. Hear my heart. I'm not talking about guns and physical activity. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Are you guys ready to go? So, again, this is a little bit deeper than normal, but I want to just say this to you. If you're here today and you're tired of the dysfunction that runs in your family, 
If you're sick of being a victim of what your mom struggled with, what your dad got beat up by, what actually took authority over your grandfather and your great-grandfather, just like when you go to the doctor's office and they say, what runs in your family? Heart disease, diabetes, uh, strokes, ulcers. You know what else runs in families? Demonic strongholds. And again, this is a, not a 101 message today. This is a little bit deeper, but I want to teach our church how to fight. The Bible likens the church to a family, to a flock. It likens it to a, you know, a body. And those are all great analogies, and I'm thankful for them. And I would say in many ways, here in Orange County, we understand family. Okay, the church is a family. Okay, the church is a body. Okay, i got to find my place to serve in the body. It's a flock. Okay, i got to have shepherd and got to be around good pastures. Okay, i got, I got the flock. But I would say one thing in California that I've noticed is there is a lot of Christians living off of milk that have never learned how to fight. So... I'm going to do my best. I've been around some great men and women of God that have mentored, pastored Rochelle and I, and taught us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. You guys ready to go? Anybody ready to rumble? All right. So you got your Bible, Ephesians 6 today. I'm going to jump right in. If you get bored today, you're a boring person. Because I'm not a boring preacher. Can I get an amen in the back? Six, uh, ten verses out of Ephesians chapter 6. Incidentally, Ephesians had a great move of God. One of the greatest revivals recorded in the New Testament happened in Ephesus. Paul, the great general, he would be the Maximus of his day, the great general. He would be the, he would be the Alexander the Great of the body of Christ. And he pins this general-like speech when he's addressing a city that experienced a sovereign move of God. And he said, look, you can experience the move of God and still end up in bondage. You can experience the power of God and still end up a slave to sin. So he would address in his last chapter, his farewell address to the, the church of Ephesus. He would pin this in chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Say it with me, in the Lord. You'll never be strong for the Lord until you get strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. This is not willpower. This is God's power. But he said this, put on the whole armor of God. How much? The whole armor of God. Why? So that you'll be able to stand. To do what? Stand. To do what? Stand. stand against the wiles of the devil. Watch what he says here. Very strategic selection of words. For we do not wrestle. Interesting. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers, darkness, wickedness in heavenly places. We wrestle. Say with me, we wrestle. I think it's interesting that it doesn't say we jog, we run, we dance, we clap, we yell. He uses the word we most people don't even understand spiritual warfare. They wonder why they're in a funk all the time. They wonder why they're a victim of their emotions. Why am I sad today? Why am I, I have no reason to feel like I feel, but I'm tolerating what I'm feeling. We have a generation that's committing suicide because we're letting temporary emotions become eternal decisions. 
And we got to make sure that we have this authority over our emotions. And he says it like this, that we actually, actually have to wrestle. We wrestle, not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting physical people. We're not fighting physical presidents or physical governors or physical teachers or physical. Listen to me. It says we're fighting principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, heavenly places. It says because of this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I love the word stand is all over the place here. Stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take up the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Shandai spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints, all saints. He says, and also pray for me that I may be able to open my mouth. Say this with me, boldly. You know you're standing when the boldness comes over you. Pray for me that I might be able to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly. That I might speak boldly. As I ought to speak. We're going to speak boldly today. And I just want to warn every spirit in these tents, is that the Holy Spirit? That you're coming out today in Jesus' name. Quickly and quietly. Can I get a good amen with some person with a little bit of faith today? Say a good amen. Are you ready to rumble? Father, we love you. We honor you. We declare that Jesus Christ is... Real loud in Orange County, we declare that Jesus Christ is. So today, I pray your lordship would come into this tent. I know this is not a shallow end message, but I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Whom the Son sets free is free in. So Lord, let freedom be your children's portion. Show us, lead us, guide us, give us revelation knowledge today. How to walk in your authority and your freedom. We honor you. I pray we'd be battle ready and break Babylon in Jesus' name. God's children said a good A. Everyone said a good egg. I, uh, I like playing sports. Any athletes in the room today? Go raise your hand real quick, humbly. Love playing sports growing up. I had what the doctors said a condition called severe athleticism. <laughs> Not true. I uh, like playing sports, but basketball, played football, started getting snowboarding. Some of you guys know my story. But I had a lot of friends. I grew up in the Antelope Valley, uh, the home of Afro Man and Paul George. That's uh, okay. So grew up there, and uh, it's hot. It's, I mean, it's hot, hot there. And uh, I had friends that um, tried to talk me into wrestling. And uh, uh, they were like, Mark, you should join our high school wrestling team. We were the Golden State, uh, Golden League champions uh, while I was in high school. We had a good wrestling program. And so my buddies were like, Mark, you got to join the wrestling program. And I'm like, dude, I got two older brothers. I wrestle for a living. And uh, spend most of my days, you know, <clears throat> chilling out nights, relaxing all cool. I was shooting some b-ball outside the school. Anyways, um, my brothers were up no good. Um, but I, uh, I spent my, my, my adolescent season, you know, I, I wrestled all the time. My mom had three boys. So we were always wrestling, roughhousing. And um, so I wasn't really, there's was three reasons I didn't want to wrestle. The first one is I'm like, dude, I wrestle every day. Okay, it's like work. 
And uh, second reason was I'm like, the singlets? I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> didn't like the singlets. I'm like, not because I was insecure. I just didn't want to make people stumble. You know what I mean? I just, it's a joke, man. It's just a joke. I didn't like the singlets. I didn't like the headgear. Not into the headgear part of it. And I'm like, look, and I'm going to wear the headgear because I like cauliflower on my plate, not on my ears. But I, uh, I'm like, this guy's going to get beat up for that joke. Maybe. Uh, but no, I was thinking about how, you know, I, I didn't like the singlets. But the main reason I didn't like to wrestle is I didn't want to wrestle is all of my buddies that were on the wrestling team were always cutting weight. And I just, I have a, I just have this situation going on. I just love food. Anybody else have this issue? I just love food. I love, I love eating. They're always like cutting weight. I had buddies that were in class like spitting in a, like a, like a, like a bottle. It was gross. Sick me out. They, I would see him after school jogging on the side of the road like winter clothes on. This is the Antelope Valley. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. And they're like running with a trash bag on, just sweating profusely. I'm like, that's, that's not for me. Wrestling. I was thinking about wrestling. Kind of an interesting selection of words as it would be pertained to a general addressing the church that if we're going to have victory that Jesus died to give us, you got to learn how to wrestle. Got to learn how to wrestle. I feel like there's a lot of people that don't want to wrestle, don't know how to wrestle. It's interesting, though, that he says this. He goes, guys, we're going to wrestle. He, he paints a picture of a Roman soldier and their armor. This would have been a very common imagery in that day and era. Roman soldiers were everywhere at that time. And Roman soldiers, ironically, when he goes through the armor from the helmet, breastplate, belt, shoes, all of it, it's interesting that they would say this. Historians say that when you were properly uh, outfitted, which ironically, you only wore the helmet and the breastplate when you were at times of war. So this is not garb that you put on like a military uniform you go shopping at Ross at. Come on, dress for less. You only wore the helmet and the breastplate when you were actually actively going to battle. So he says, guys, here's the deal. Get ready to wrestle. Here's the armor. And historians tell us that when the, when the Roman legion was actually in ranks on a flat field and everyone was in position with their swords and their shields and their helmets, they were virtually in, impenetrable. Enemies could not get in. Darts could not land. Enemy forces could not break through. But here's the irony of the armor of God, and I'll teach more in depth on it on another occasion. He's, the big takeaway of the armor of God is this, is that there is no armor for your back. All of the armor that is listed is forward-facing. Forward-facing. Breastplate, forward-facing. Belt, forward-facing. Shoes, forward-facing. God would even take it further than that and say, hey, I'm going to make human beings in my image, and even in your anatomy, everything is forward-facing. Eyes face forward. Ears face forward. Are you hearing me today? Feet face, knees face. The only part of your anatomy that's backwards. It's a dirty joke. I'm sorry. But it's backwards facing. Your waist. Paul said, the one thing I did is I forgot about what's behind. I pressed forward. Pressed forward. All of the armor that's listed is forward-facing, progressive honor. 
uh, armor is that you're either advancing or you're retreating. You're taking ground or you're losing ground. We don't like to talk like this anymore. We're like, no, Mark, I'm just kind of drifting. No, there's no coasting in the kingdom. God's either getting more of you or something else is. And I'll tell you that complacency is the devil's playground. People judge people with zeal because they're like, I used to be like that. It wore off. Maybe wore off. You ain't wearing off me, joker. Can I get a good amen? I want God to own every square inch of my mind and my heart. Can I get a good amen? Now, notice what he says here is that we wrestle. Now, the wrestle means to actually contend by grappling. That's what wrestling means. It means to strive to trip or throw an opponent down. Or how about this? Get them off balance. Get them off balance. Try to catch them off guard so you can trip them and take them down. Is that not what the devil tries to do? He comes to Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights of no food. And then he starts talking about the golden corral like buffet. That's dirty. That's dangerous. That's actually not biblical. He tempts them with turning a rock into bread. He's like, look, you're hungry. Wouldn't it be like the devil to try to find you when you're weak? Find you when you're off balance. Man, I went, on, I went to relax on vacation, and I ended up relapsing. How do you relapse when you relax? Well, the devil knows this, that his wrestling is actually targeted to get you off balance. I want to find you when you're actually trippable. And wrestling is a sport. Listen to me. It's a sport of speed. It's a sport of quickness. It's a sport of agility. It's a sport of stamina, not just brute strength. I watched a guy on, on Instagram this week. He wrestled, I think it was like a Conor McGregor's trainer or something. Big old bodybuilder. And the trainer, the trainer was a littler guy, but he had skill and he had agility. Yeah. This other guy was just, he like, he swallowed the weights of the gym. You know what I'm saying? His name was Gemini. He was on American Gladiators probably, right? Listen, and this little trainer actually, the guy throws him up in the air and the trainer like wraps around him like a, like a snake or something. Ends up getting around him and taps this guy out. He's not nearly as strong. But listen, you don't always have to be stronger. You just got to have more agility and more skill. And this is a big deal that he's talking about with wrestling. He uses wrestling because when you wrestle somebody, you got to always be on your defense. I don't know if you know this, but the match can be over in seconds. The match can be over in seconds. How many know that a wrestling match can change quickly? That's why you can serve God faithfully for four decades and have 20 minutes of stupidity. And the world will flush all the faithfulness down the toilet. And they'll make videos and tabloids and articles about your 20 minutes of stupidity. Listen to me. The devil is looking to wrestle. You hear me today? That's why it's a big deal that we're not retreating. We have no armor on our back. The only armor we have on our back is Jesus. He promised that he would be our rear guard. Psalms 91 says he would be before us and behind us. But this is a big deal today that they're, they're warned. And, and he, put, he tells them this. He gives them this speech as a general. And he says, guys, you got to learn how to stand your ground. And as I was praying the last couple of weeks, I heard the Lord speaking to his children saying, sons and daughters, learn how to stand your ground. 
We had people saying, well, the devil threatened me or he tempted me or he threw a dart at me and I just discouraged me and I went into hiding or seclusion or I stopped going to church or I just gave up reading my Bible and I just can't get over this addiction. Stand your ground. There's a reason why God mentions the three mighty men of David. David was bold, powerful, and he was a conquering warrior king. And incidentally, he raised up people that were just like him. He raised up the three mightiest of his men in 2 Samuel 23 was Adino, which, which means that he actually raised a spear. This guy raised a spear and killed 800 men in one day. He was the leader of the mighty men. Eliezer stood ground against the Philistines, and he stood his ground holding on to a sword so long that when the battle was over, he couldn't drop the sword. He clung to it, the Bible says. Shammah was a man that actually his name means the Lord is here. He's with me. And when everybody else vacated, everybody else retreated, everybody else moved out of California. I feel like preaching today. This guy, Shammah, he actually stationed himself in the middle of a lentil field, and he defended it against the Philistines. These three mighty men knew how to stand. Stand. They were so mighty, and they loved their king so much that one, David, one day David said, man, I wish I could have some water from the well that's inside of the city. And these three guys, listen to me, they loved their king so much. They said, we will risk our lives to get water from the well that would satisfy our king's desire. And I'm telling you that David was so, he was so taken back that they risked their lives that when he brought the cup, he spilled it out. And he said, how can I ask you to risk your lives for me? But I read that story and I think about mighty men and women that are willing to risk everything for their king. Where are those people in California? Where are the ones that say, I, I know the desire of my king and if I lose my job, I lose my job. If I lose my influence, I lose my influence. I'm willing to risk all for the desire of my king. I'm sorry I'm fired up today, man. I just, I believe that we have lost our fire. And these three guys go, no, no, man, it's worth fighting for. So loyal, like Daniel, like Cyrus. You know, the primary weapon of Daniel was prayer. He prayed three times a day. He wasn't a casual prayer person. And listen, when you pray casual, you'll have casual revelation. But when you have urgent prayer, desperate prayer, prayers that would change your family, prayers that would bind the enemy in your business, prayers that would bring kids back from the running in the, in the dark kingdom, I'm telling you that big, fiery prayers lead to big, fiery results. And I'm telling you, the Hosea says in 6.3, says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Here's what we know about Ephesians 6, we're going to wrestle, is we wrestle against three things. You guys ready to write this down? Got some notes for you today. It's a, it's a note-taking Sunday. Number one, Paul says, we wrestle, number one, not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. Biggest mistake young Christians make is they try to challenge principalities by themselves. Do not do that. Principalities are, is the executive branch in the kingdom of darkness. It's the top level of darkness over a city. You, you know what I'm talking about? Even if you don't believe in God, you go to cities like L.A. County. L.A. has a principality over it that is different than Orange County. You drive over the border, you just feel the difference in the atmosphere. You fly into Seattle, it has a principality over it. You go to Boise, it has a principality. Salt Lake City, 
You go down the list. I've been to Amsterdam and you go to all these places in the world. Every city has assigned principalities over it. Daniel says, Daniel said that there was 21 days that the angels had to fight with the prince of Persia before he could break through. He said, we heard your prayer 21 days ago, but this time only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some things that only break loose when we pray persistently. How do you know? Because listen to me, principalities are the big powers that are assigned to regions. We know this because when the, when, the, um, when the guy that had all the demons in him got free, what did the demons ask? They said, send us into the pigs so we don't have to leave this region. Demons want to stay in regions that the principalities assign them in. I know this is deeper than you usually get on Sundays. But notice what Paul says here. This general goes, look, we're going to wrestle. And the first thing we wrestle against is principalities and powers. Principalities are the, are the geopolitical boundaries in the spiritual realm. And under those powers, they assign powers and rulers of darkness. These execute the orders of the principalities. They carry out the spiritual strategies of the principality of that region. If you want to know what a principality is in a city, go to the police department and ask them what the number one crimes are. Orange County, what's, what's, what's the big spiritual powers here? We have the number one divorce rate in our county in America. Greed and adultery would be the two biggest principalities in this region. Are you hearing me right now? You go to L.A., it's loneliness, suicide, there's substance abuse. You go down the roster, every, are, is, this too, is this too much? I'm, just, I'm trying to like be honest with you today, like... And I know you lose people sometimes, like, really, Mark, you believe in the devil? It's like, really, you don't? There's not just powers and rulers of darkness. How about this? He says, the third thing that we wrestle against is a host of wickedness. This is lower-level management. This is who we find specific demons at work. These are the foot soldiers of the, of the kingdom of darkness. These are the voices that we hear speaking in our ear. And listen to me, there's a difference between your flesh... And a demon. Demons feed on the trash you leave around. That's the, like rats. If you get rid of the trash, they, they leave. But if you keep the trash in your life, you keep watching the horror movies, you keep looking at the softcore pornography, you keep entertaining those, those bad desires, you keep fantasizing about doing something that's, that's wrong, the rats continue to feed. And they get bigger. But he says this, is, that's, the, that's, that's the demonic, but there's also a flesh nature that's talked about over and over again in Galatians. And the flesh nature is the sinful part of you that we have to crucify every day. I've said it before, but I will repeat it again. Jack Hayford says that you can't cast out your flesh and you can't disciple demons. So here's what he's saying. Demons got to go. Cast out. The flesh has to be crucified. This is like, really? Demons? I, I dare you to read the New Testament and not see demons. They're so powerful. They're not that powerful. We know a guy that had thousands of demons and he still ran to Jesus. They can't stop you from coming to Jesus. They're not very strong. But they are like rats. They're a nuisance. 
And if you don't deal with them and you keep feeding them, eventually at some point, you're going to be man, why is my life rat infested? Stop feeding the rats. Can I get an amen? How do you know the gospel is good news to say? And the word salvation in the Greek language is the same word, not just to go to heaven. It's the word that we get healing from. It's the word that we get deliverance from. That's why it's interesting that in Luke 4.18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What's gospel? What's good news to the poor? You don't have to stay poor. That doesn't mean you have a jet and a Rolls Royce. It just means that God will take care of you. What's the gospel to preach the gospel to the poor? To heal the brokenhearted. What's the gospel to the brokenhearted? I don't have to stay brokenhearted. He goes on, he says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. You don't have to stay incarcerated. He said, you'll recover your sight. Liberty will come to all those that are oppressed to proclaim. To what? Where are the people proclaiming? Where are the people that say, I was a heroin user. I was addicted to this, that, and the other. My family has done this, but look what God has done new. And we see him every week on our My Stories. But I'm telling you that freedom is not for just you. You are liberated to be a liberator. God sets you free to help set others free. Your testimony gives hope to somebody else. That, man, I knew who you were. You were like me, and now you're not. Ellie, that's why your story resonates with so much of the world right now. They go, man, if God could do it in Ellie... God, you know, Matt Barrows, maybe God could do it in me. We overcome by the word of our testimony. Are you hearing me today? That's why John, J- Jesus said in John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do. Watch what Jesus said. What I do, he says, watch me now. He says, the works that I do, you will do also, but even greater works than these. Because I go to the Father. Luke 10, 19 says, I'll give you authority to trample serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Jesus gives us authority. And I think most people don't like religion because we have a bunch of tellers with no showers. I will never buy a vacuum from somebody that doesn't show me how good it is. Yeah, I've had the Kirby guy come to my door. Come on my door. This thing will suck up stuff you've never known that was in your house. And I'm like, prove it. And they bring that iron. It looks like an old school iron from the 19, 1800s. It looks like a tractor equipment. They bring it and they start sucking stuff up. I'm like, I, I didn't know that my, my couch was that color. It sucks the color out of your couch. You know what I do? When I, I'm not interested in buying something that I haven't seen work. And I feel like many people are disillusioned because we say Jesus heals, but we've never seen it. Jesus delivers, but we have friends that are Christians that are in bondage. And the world is be- the church has become a mirror of society, not a window showing us another way. And I tell you before the Lord that God wants to make your life a window that shows a broken world there is a greater way. Come on, if you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap today. I feel something in here. Most people are scared. They avoid heavy conversations, sexuality conversations, because of the compromise in their own life. They don't have the moral authority to address it. I've always prayed, Lord, I can't preach anything that's not working in my life. Many of you have been here for a while and know my testimony. 
I came out of pornography. I came out of addiction. I, I, I got saved at 18, but I got addicted to, to dark lust at like seven years old. Spent my whole adolescence in darkness. And we have a world out there saying, it's okay. You can look with your eyes as long as you don't act on it. Jesus said, if you look with your eyes, you've done it in your heart. We say, well, Mark, you're forgiven by grace. Well, Jesus is grace. Jesus is truth. Grace does not lower the standard of righteousness. It elevates it. That's why he said, you've heard it said, if you commit adultery with a woman, that's bad. He says, but I say to you, grace and truth. Don't even look. Grace and truth doesn't water things down. And I'm telling you, if you've asked Jesus in your life, you, you can't buy the lie that you're only a human. You're no longer only a human. You're the same spirit that got Jesus out of the grave, taking occupancy inside of you. He gives you power to evict demons and darkness, authority over diseases and disorders. Some things we counsel out, some things we cast out. And I would tell you that much of the mess in the Western church is we try to intellectualize the things of God. And I would like to remind you, Athens, that it was at Mars Hill that Paul tried to reason with the logic of the day. Let's just speak philosophy. Let's just speak logic, logic, mono imano. Let's just academically try to digest and dissect the gospel. I'm not against that. I love studying the deep things of God. But at some point, you got to realize the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the very power of God that leads to salvation. Paul left Mars Hill with hardly any fruit. Athens, where he tried to reason with people, well, he's got to be a better person and sell, just kind of tell yourself that you're okay and, you know what, just kind of have some willpower and some self-help and, you know, you're going to heaven one day, but you're going to be in bondage until then. He had no results in Mars Hill. That's why when he got to Corinth, he goes, look, I made up my mind to know nothing amongst you. I didn't come with persuasive words. I didn't come with some eloquent message. I came cr preaching Christ and Christ crucified. He is the power of God. He is the chain breaker. He is the miracle worker. Are you hearing me today? He is a wonder working God. He is Jehovah, the self-existent one. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that's there. He is Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord that's our peace. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. He is Jehovah Ra, our shepherd. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. We serve a God that delivers, hears, responds. And listen to me, when the rats come, we have authority over the rats. Eight rats, I'll give you real fast. First rat is the rat of fear. It's a spirit of fear. Romans says it this way. He says, he says in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption for which we cry out, Abba. Listen to me. Your greatest security is, is, is in your position as a child of God. You don't have to fear says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen to me. Stop worrying about all the worst case scenarios. That's a spirit. You start worrying about, I'm going to die. I'm going to get corona. I'm, my kids aren't going to come home tonight. I'm going to die early. Listen, that's a spirit. 
and stop feeding that rat by, by, by meditating on thoughts that aren't God. Some of you give your imagination to worst case scenarios all the time. It's a spirit. And I'm telling you right now that you have, a, you have authority over that rat. When you feel it coming on you, and your kid doesn't come home when they said they're going to come home, and your brain starts to race to the worst case scenarios, you say, no, not today, devil. I bind the spirit of fear. My kids are surrounded by angels. I pray for them. They're not going to die. They're going to live. You hear me right now? We have too many people that are giving their imagination over to the spirit of fear. You're not dying until Jesus wants you to come home. I don't care what the pharmaceutical companies do. I don't care all the stupidity in the world. I'm trusting that God is going to take care of me. I'm going to exercise wisdom, but I'm not going to meditate on doom and gloom. Spirit of fear. 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out what? The more you think about God's love, the less time you have to fear. Second rat, spirit of heaviness. If there was ever a three-year window that I've seen the spirit of heaviness wreak havoc, it has been the last three years. It's a second area of demonic attack. It's depression. It's a spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah 61.3, a spirit of heaviness. Some of you might not like this message, but you need this point. It refers to the sadness, the sorrow, the despair, and the hopelessness that fills your soul. And I have an antidote for you today. And some of you have never experienced it because you've never practiced it. Here's the antidote according to Isaiah 61. It says the antidote is the garment of praise. You mean that fast song we do before I show up to church? Yeah. Do you know why we come into the, the house of God with praise? Because there's something in high praise that it just, it almost like cuts off the cloak of heaviness. Well, I don't like to sing. Well, that's what we, you should like to sing. I don't like to praise. Well, you better, you better get used to bondage. There is freedom that's only accessible in praise. I was talking to a friend on the phone that lives out of state, and I said, bro, when you get attacked, you've been through hell, when you get attacked with heaviness, you put some worship music on. You elevate your, I don't care if you don't sing, if you don't have a good voice, there is something about praise. It says if you don't do it, the rocks will. That's why the enemy is after our babies. That's why the devil is after our children. I'll tell you why, because out of the, the mouths of nursing infants and babes, the Lord is ordained praise. The devil's trying to go after kids because kids are innocent enough to praise. Some of you are heavy, and I have an antidote for you. Praise. Praise. I want, I want you to write it down. Just when I start feeling that emotion, praise. That discouragement, praise. There's something about getting your eyes off yourself and on something bigger than you that loosens the grip of darkness. Say with me, praise. Every day I bind the spirit of sorrow and sadness, and we loose it. We lose freedom in Jesus' name. Third rat is jealousy, the spirit of jealousy. Numbers 5.14 is about a man suspecting a spouse of adultery, but it could be applied to different areas of our life. No one, listen to me, write this down when it comes to jealousy. No one is a threat to your success. Some of you are so jealous, boyfriends, girlfriends, employers, employees, 
You want to scare away good people? Be insecure. You want to attract garbage employees? Be insecure. Nothing will scare away healthy people faster than jealousy. No one wants to be friends with a jealous person. Put a knife to your throat, it says. If you're a man given to an appetite, consider what's in front of you. This guy says eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. He's jealous. Solomon says, it's a big deal. Make sure you don't, you don't participate in a spirit of jealousy. Some of you, your dad was jealous, your mom was jealous. You're just, you're, you're, your spouse is a nervous wreck because you're insecure about everything. Today wants, God today, hear me, I feel, the, I feel the Lord on this. He wants to evict that spirit of jealousy. Are you hearing me? Four spirit is the spirit of anger. Oh, just a couple more. It says in Saul, Saul in 1 Samuel 18, 8 and 9, Saul was very angry with David to the point that he tried to kill him. Listen to me, anger is not a fruit of the spirit. And as far as I can tell, if Jesus doesn't have it, I don't want to have it. Some of you are naming your pet rats. That's my anger. That's my perversion. I'm just a guy. I'm just, I'm just Italian. I'm just Irish. I just have an anger thing. I just, I just say it as I is. Would you stop claiming things that are not a fruit of the Holy Spirit? I'm not claiming that anger. I'm a child of God. I have peace, righteousness, joy in the Holy Spirit. Still with me today? Is the spirit of anger, the fifth spirit is the spirit of deception. It's a lying spirit. It's a spirit of deception. Second Chronicles 18, 20 talks about it. But the basis of this spirit is pride. This is big in Orange County, guys. Pride would be one of those principalities of this region. We want to try to pretend to buy things that we don't own with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And we're portraying this opulence because we're insecure about what people think about us. Hear me today. You aren't in competition with anybody except yourself. You don't have to lie. Some of you grew up in families that pathological liars. I met people that lie so much they start believing what they say. That is a spirit of, of deception. God wants to set you free. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, you know what they did? Is they had a spirit of deception. It cost them their lives. God doesn't play with liars. I tell people all the time, God can work with screw-ups. God can work with sinners, because we all are. God cannot help liars. Did you know that? How do you know that, preacher? Because it says you'll know the truth know the what truth and the truth will set you so you'll only be as free as you're truthful so if you don't know the truth you'll never know freedom when I would disciple young guys all the time I would say look I can work with you I can help you two things I request first one is complete honesty I can work with you if you screw up I can't help you if you lie and I feel like the Lord would say I can help you if you screw up but I can't help you if you lie I know this is heavy today, but as far as I can tell, I would rather have a church that's free than a big church in bondage. I don't think it's one or the other. I do, I just want to be very clear today. I would rather preach this raw today and see everyone that needs to get free, get free. I'm okay even offending some people today. Praise God. Spirit of adultery. 
It's an unclean spirit. It's mentioned in Hosea 4.12. It refers to illicit sexual activity, one which, which is adultery. It starts, hear me today, it starts by entertaining lust in your heart. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5.28, whoever looks has committed. Listen to me. Lust is mental pornography. I tell our staff this all the time. We're loving with people. We're passionate about God. But we are ruthless with our sin nature. Sin is like vampires. It can't live in the light. You want to get free? Tell somebody about your struggles. You want to get free? Stop hiding your dark secrets. Skeletons are, are, our closets are for skeletons, are not skeletons, for vacuum cleaners, not skeletons. Jesus went to the grave so that you don't have to go to the grave with your skeletons. We bring our sins to the light. We're merciless and ruthless with any spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. Seven spirit, two more to go, is the spirit of infirmity. Luke 13, 10 says Jesus healed a woman with a spirit of infirmity that had 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't raise herself. There's another example in Luke 11 that a man had a, mute, had a spirit of infirmity that was mute. He lost his voice. Here's two examples. Look at me today. Spirit of infirmity will make you walk funny or make you lose your voice. I don't believe that every sickness is the devil. But I do believe in the Bible, some sin was connected to sickness. I don't know who you are, but I feel like today, if we take authority over the spirit of infirmity, something deformed, I actually think a lot of tumors, a lot of like exterior growths that are weird, it's my personal conviction. I believe a lot of that stuff is an attack from hell, spiritual, spirit of infirmity. And we're going to take authority over that garbage today in Jesus' name. Still with me today. Number eight, lastly, is the spirit of divination. It's when people tap into dark power. Pharaoh had sorcerers that created snakes. Pharaoh had sorcerers that created some of the power that Moses did. Acts 8 talks about Simon the sorcerer that did great exploits that wowed the county. Acts 7, uh, 16 talks about a little girl that read fortunes. You know what bothers me? Orange County is all the little fortune booths we have all over Orange County. You know what's in Laguna Beach? A spirit. One of the principalities in Laguna, Ge Laguna Beach is they're all over the place. Where there's a lot of greed, there's a lot of desire for God without God. We want the voice of God without the presence of God. And what happens is, is men and women open up doors to rats. We do it by giving access through horoscopes, astrology books, tarot cards, mushrooms, pills, intoxications. They call alcohol a spirit for a reason. Going to get quiet for the Presbyterian Church for a second. I know I'm kicking some sacred cows. But I just want you to know that Jesus died to set you free. Free. I don't know if you know this, but in Galatians 5.20, the word for witchcraft is the Greek word pharmakeo. It's where we get pharmacy from, medicine. It's interesting that the ancient world would associate sorcery with medicine. I don't think it's coincidental that we have pharmaceutical companies that I believe a lot of them are driven by money, not by helping people. I think anybody that doesn't listen to fake news would, would say amen to that statement right there. But I am persuaded 
that God wants to set us free from the sorcery. Some of you are like, well, I love mushrooms. It opens me up to the divine. No, it opens up to the darkness. I hear a voice. It's not God's voice. God does not collude or coddle demons. He doesn't collude with darkness. You hear me today? This is a big deal. I just believe there's many Christians that don't have victory. And I'm listening to preachers all over the world right now that are preaching from this broken place that we just all suck, we're all a bunch of just screw-ups, and the Bible basically is teaching, it's focused more on our brokenness and God's tolerant, patient love than our ability to be put back together again, redeemed by the blood. People that are influenced by darkness, but we're going to heaven. Where is the victory? I heard the Lord saying, where is the victory of my bride? I heard him saying this, I'm tired of colluding with darkness. I'm tired of those coddling demons, cuddling addictions. There's too many midwives in the church helping deliver compromise to the people of God. And I felt the fear of God and I felt the fire of God saying that it starts in the house of God that we have to be overcomers. Are we going to be the church of the Bible or not? Are we going to be the people that believe God in His Word or are we not? Are we going to believe that God got out of the grave and we can too or not? Are we washed by His blood or are we not? Are we empowered by His Spirit or are we not? Are we not called to prove the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God by the renewing of our minds? As far as I can tell, we're supposed to do that. Grab a seat, I'm almost done. I know this is heavy, but I feel the glory of God saying, I want a, I want a free bride. God doesn't want to marry a bride that's on house arrest. Marry a bride that's in chains. When Jesus comes, listen, his first miracle was at a wedding. And his last miracle will be at a wedding. It's when the Son of Man marries the Bride of Christ. And at this wedding, she's not intoxicated with anything except the Spirit of God. She's not in bondage. She's not dirty. She's been washed with the blood. You read about the seven churches in Laodicea, they are victorious. He says, where are the over? He who overcomes. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. When Christ returns, he's looking for those that overcome. It's a big deal. Still with me today? You know, I was thinking about this. People say, Mark, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. We are. We all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to remind you that who lives inside of you is powerful. I was reminded, I used to watch this TV show called Street Outlaws. It's about guys that break the law and they somehow film it and don't get in trouble. But these guys race fast cars in Oklahoma. And there's a guy on there, kind of a funny guy. And uh, he has this truck called Farm Truck. And it's this old, beat up looking, I mean, it looks, it looks bad. It looks bad. It's orange, it has a camper shell, like old nasty camper shell. Like the back window of the camper shell does this. And it looks nasty on the outside. But, but it drives around town, they call it fishing. And they say, let's go fishing. And that, that is cute for them to drive around town and try to find people with supercars to race. And they bet money, illegally I might add, that's wrong. They bet money to race these people. 
And it's so funny because these guys with $3 million cars get smoked by this farm truck. What they don't know is, it's kind of ugly on the outside, but the power, the power plant, it's got over 1,200 horsepower of American muscle. Come on, somebody. The thing roars on nitrous. It's just, it's crazy fast. It's over 5,000 pounds, but it's faster than the fastest supercars. And I want to remind you that you and I might come from broken places. We might not be very impressive on the outside, but the God that powers our life, he's got all dominion. He's got all power. It says he has all majesty that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is telling you today we live in a humanistic age and humanity without Christ at the center is satanic in nature secularism is doing a reverse exorcism wherever God is found in culture it's saying come out in humanity's name the gate of hell is in our minds anytime we agree with the enemy so today I want to ask you Orange County are you ready to rumble are you ready to evict the rats that have been feeding on your grandma's destiny, your mama's destiny, your daddy's destiny? It's time for us to get ruthless with this darkness. Can I get an amen? I want to wrap this up today by standing. I want to pray for you. I want to pray this last prayer. and I just believe strong today that God is going to do something powerful. There's someone here that you want to commit suicide. But God wanted me to tell you today that that does not end, doesn't end the chances of your life getting worse. Suicide eliminates the possibility of your life getting better. God wants to come today. He wants to come today. And I just want to pray right now. We're going to do this really quick. It doesn't take long. But we're going to take authority. You know what Jesus said? Here's my, here's my handlebar today. It's all authority has been given to us on heaven and earth. Jesus said, therefore, you can bind and you can loose. Paul binds spirits and acts. We know that Jesus said all authority, bind and loose. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven and vice versa. So here's what we do today. I'm going to lead you in an exercise, and we're going to take authority over the spiritual realm that you're influenced by. And I want to tell you this. My wife did this all the time. If I go into a dark atmosphere that's under attack, we'll pray and we'll say, Lord, we bind whatever that heavy spirit is. We loose so we can bind darkness and we can release the presence of God. Does that make sense? This is how we fight. If you're here today, you say, Mark, I want to bind the spirit of fear. Fear runs in my family. I want you to be very honest. I'm out of time. Just pop your hand up. We're going to do this all eight areas. Fear runs in my family. Up. I worry about death prematurely and all these things. Up and down. Second spirit, say, Mark, heaviness. Heaviness runs in my family. It runs in me. Depression, discouragement, sadness, sorrow. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest people in Orange County and down. Spirit of jealousy. Come on, raise it up. It's okay to be honest. And down. Spirit of anger. Up. Yep. Down. Spirit of deception. Up. Yeah. Down. Spirit of adultery, right up, down. Spirit of infirmity, up, down. And lastly, the spirit of divination, where you at? Up. A lot of people in my family involved in the dark, dark stuff, witchcraft, the occult, crystals, mediums. 
I want to pray right now. You guys, can I guess me three minutes? Three minutes? Here's what we do. Three-minute miracle. Three-minute miracle. If you're here today, we're going to do this. If you raised your hand at any of those eight areas, actually, if you didn't raise your hand at any of those, I want to create last one called the spirit of pride. Because there is something that you should have responded to. So it does not make you weird. It makes you human. Well, I don't need any of that stuff. Then Jesus died in vain. If you don't need a Savior, then Jesus died in vain. We must be looking at the Savior today. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm fired up. Here's what we do. You're here today, Danny Mark. I want to I wanna ask the Lord to break the grip, spirit of fear. Any of those spirits that you responded to, put both hands up. I responded to one of those eight. I want you to pray this prayer, and if you respond to that area, we're going to pray this together. So first thing we do is we're going to evict it. So Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we evict every spirit right now that is not the Holy Spirit. And with our hands raised to you, the first thing we do, we say this together. We say, in Jesus Christ's name, spirit of fear, loose your grip. Go in Jesus' name. Spirit of heaviness, in Jesus' name. Go, loose your grip. Spirit of jealousy, in Jesus' name. Go and don't come back. Spirit of anger, in Jesus' name. Go, we bind you. Don't come back. Spirit of deception, in Jesus' name. We bind you. We lose the truth. We're free. Go and don't come back. Spirit of adultery, in Jesus' name, we bind you. Go and don't come back. Spirit of infirmity, in Jesus Christ's name, we bind you, cancel your assignment, and we loose healing all over this atmosphere. Go in Jesus' name. Someone's neck being healed right now, yeah. Someone getting set free right now. Come on, give him a 10 second praise break real quick. Come on, give him a praise break. Someone's getting healed. Someone's getting healed. Someone's getting healed. I feel it, I feel it. Cancer's getting healed. Cancer's getting healed. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Last one, last one. Spirit of divination. Come on, hands up. Spirit of divination. In Jesus Christ's name, loose your grip. We serve you and any other spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. We serve you in eviction notice by the blood of the Lamb. Now go and don't return in Jesus' name. Raise your hands all over. Say, I'm free. I'm washed. I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb. I belong to Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Every room, every imagination, every dream, fill me with you. Jesus' name. You're here. We're going to sing one last song. One last song. We'll be out. I just want to sing this to solidify this moment. I'm telling you, I feel freedom. I feel freedom. Someone in here, you're not going to go back to that addiction ever again. God just unchanged you right now. 
we sing this one song as, as though we just got, it, almost like you just got paroled today. You're walking out of the prison. You're walking out of the death row sentence. Jesus has taken your place. Let's sing one time like we believe that today. No one else, no one else deserves our worship. And no one else, no one else deserves our praise. Jesus, you alone are worthy. And no one else deserves the glory. No one else, and no one else, no one else deserves our worship.
here today. We're old school Pentecostals. I feel the presence in here today. I feel the freedom in here today. If you're here today, I just feel like God is healing. Someone in here, you've been believing for a home and this week God's going to give it to you. I feel freedom. There's gifts of healing, but there's also workings of miracles. Someone in here, you're at a deadline for some sort of trade. and God's going to come through in the fifth quarter, fifth hour ninth hour I just feel like the Lord is coming through with mighty breakthrough this week and I just felt strong today someone's son or daughter that's been away for over a decade is coming home this week all I would ask you to do is just tell somebody share the story to build faith for somebody else post it on slack if you're part of our church I just feel like miracles are happening you need a touch from God just lift your hand right now I'm out of time we're on overtime right now I promise I'm almost done. If you need a touch from God, just lift your hand. Someone's hands up next to you. Go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder right now. We believe that when God shows up like this, this is an atmosphere for miracles. So I pray from the back of the room to the front of the room, all over oceans, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, we invite you to do what you do. Say amen to this Sunday by healing, delivering, and doing miracles that only you could do creative miracles heal organs renew lungs touch throats heal bodies we give you all the honor he's touching you right now you can feel his power going through your body that's not that's not pepper spray and smoke machines that's the power of God flowing through your body Last thing we do today, if you're here, maybe you just raised your hand. Maybe God's healing you right now. There's a guy in here. You have prostate issues. God's healing you right now, but he's asking, I'll add years to your life, but will you give me the, the rest of your life? And I believe today, if God is good enough to heal your body, isn't he good enough to surrender your heart to him? God will add decades to your life. God's not a kill joy, but he will kill the things that cause you to lose your joy. And so today, if you're ready to give your heart to Kim, maybe the very first time you say, Jesus, I feel you. And if I can feel you today, maybe I can know you. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're here and you walked away from God at some point. You want to rededicate your life. I'm out of time. I'm going to ask everyone today that's ready to get right with Jesus. I'm not leaving these tents until I start or I get back into relationship with the one that loves me. I want you to raise your hands all over the room. He just set you free. Now it's time to give him your whole heart. Salvation is a free gift, but following Jesus will cost you everything.
His discipleship is all not halfway, not lukewarm. Here at Ocean's Church, we're going all the way in. So that's you today, St. Mark. I'm ready to invite God into my life and start an adventure of a lifetime. Following Jesus, walking with God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. I'll give you three seconds. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Just raise your hand. If you, you know today's the day, I want to get right with God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see a lot of hands going up. I'll give you three seconds. Just raise it up. Keep it up for me. One, all over the room. Two, everyone that wants to respond right now. Three, real high. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Real high, real high. I see two, three, four, five, real high. Six, seven, real high. Eight, real high. Nine, real high. Ten, real high. Anybody else? Eleven, anybody else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Twelve. See the young lady over there. That's awesome. Twelve, thirteen. So awesome. Do me a favor. If you're watching online right now, just write heart. H-E-A-R-T. Last thing we do before I give it over to uh, Mish and, and Esther is I want to pray with you. Oh, is it okay to go a little long when God shows up? I apologize. I know I said three minutes. Only time I lie to you is when I say that we're almost done, okay? I'm always telling you the truth other than that. So listen. Last prayer we pray all together. We're inviting God in those hearts, those 11 plus people. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, I invite you to be the God of my life. Please forgive me. Please move inside of me. Please fill me with your incredible Holy Spirit. I want to know you. I want to live for you from this day forward. Give me a Bible. Speak to me. Give me friends that love you. Plant me in a healthy church. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's kids said amen. Hey, grab a seat. Don't miss next week.